Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpe and Peter Torpe. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. This week, we have the pleasure of talking to an individual who has made some tremendous contributions to making Windows PCs accessible by the blind all over the world. You may not recognize his name, but I'm sure you'll recognize the project he's been involved with. Jamie Tay was one of the co-founders and co-developer of the free NVDA screen reader for Windows. After 10 years as a key contributor to this project, he has now accepted a position at Mozilla. We'll talk with Jamie about what prompted this transition, what he'll be doing at Mozilla, and the future of NVDA. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Jamie Tay. So you must have been a little bit reticent about making this major change in your life. I was, but funny thing is I feel like, you know, we still have a lot that we can do with NVDA and stuff like that. A lot of it was that I actually did, did less and less coding towards the end because I was just so tied up with other aspects of the organization. And so it's actually been nice to be a bit of an engineer again and get my fingers into the code. But I suppose the other thing is, um, yeah, I mean, look, I'll, I'll be honest. The move to Mozilla is good for me from a family perspective. It's, it's better financially as well. And that, you know, when you get to this point in your life, it does matter. I was always very happy to do the work that I did at MVXS. But at the end of the day, it's nice to not have to compromise so much um, on, on the other side of things. So I, I've always really loved my work, but now I get to love my work and get paid really well for it too. So. <laughs> That's not so bad. You know, I tell people that when I was a kid, I did mathematical games and puzzles for fun, and then someone paid me to do it. That is a great feeling. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and at the end of the day, what it comes down to is, you know, like some people are really funny about that stuff. Like you're like, oh, oh you know, I, I didn't just take the job because it was better money, but it was certainly a factor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There are very few companies that if I'd been given a job offer that I would have taken it up. Um, Mozilla's one of the very few. But then on top of that, you know, knowing that it was more financially kind of viable and, and better for my family and stuff like that, you know, it was, it, they kind of made an offer I couldn't refuse. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's you don't have to feel guilty about that at all. I think that's a totally reasonable attitude, you know. Yeah, I don't feel guilty. It's just that I've noticed that particularly some segments of the blindness community find that really that stuff really hard to follow, and so it's not something I necessarily make you know large statements about. I've sort of hinted at it, but yeah, I think that um, some people can be really funny about some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. A lot of factors go into picking a new job, but being happy is really important. For me, loving what I do is a really important part of my job. Like, it's not enough for me to work a job. I really need to love it and I need to feel it and I need to believe in it. But if you can do that without having to compromise on other things as well, and you can find an opportunity to allow for that, then go for it. (laughs) All power to you. Let's start by meeting Jamie and learning about his involvement in NVDA. So today we have someone on the show who's actually been interviewed with us several times before, once in episode 1324, talking about the use of the Sonar audio production program with NVDA, and then again in episode 1535, talking about NVDA itself. So 
Jamie, would you like to introduce yourself and tell our listeners who you are? Yeah, hi, I'm Jamie Tay. I've been working for well, NV Access, who develops the NVDA screen reader for a long time. I think we're nearly 10 years. And I've now moved to Mozilla. But I've done a lot of work in sort of different areas. Um, people might know me from JSONAR or from NVDA Sonar or from Asara. Uh, and there's all sorts of other random projects I've been involved with over the years. You've always been quite a busy person. For people who don't know, you actually started the development work of NVDA. Can you tell us a little bit about starting that with Mick Curran and how it got off the ground? Yeah, Mick actually uh, was the, the mastermind behind it originally. And uh, he was spending some time with me in Brisbane, uh, where I live, in a few months earlier. And then I was teaching about Python, the programming language. And then a few months later, he was just like, oh, I've developed, I've started developing a screen reader. I was like, what? And obviously back then it was really basic. Um, but as it moved on, I started to get really excited about it and started to get involved. And then we started to realize that it was really getting some attention from, from right around the world. People saying, we want to translate this thing into our own languages. At that point, I think it became really obvious to us that this was a lot bigger than just some uh, little, you know, can we do this project that, that had been uh, originally, you know, kind of intended. It, I don't think we originally had the big plans for it, uh, wanted it to go somewhere, but I don't think we realized how far it would go back then. And that was, uh, well, over 10 years ago now. And then from there, we got some interest from the Mozilla Foundation and started to slowly realize that it was important to companies as well. And eventually we got a major grant from the Mozilla Foundation, which enabled me to start working on it full time. And then we had some, some contract with Microsoft and it sort of just grew from there to what it is now, really, you know, a, a very prevalent uh, Windows screen reader. In spite of and partially because of the support you got from major corporations, NVDA has always been both open source and free to the users over the years, right? Yeah, that was like a guiding principle for us. It was something, you know, despite all of the barriers and obstacles, and there have been some and, and also some challenges from people, that's been one uh, principle that we've stuck to from the start is it had to be free and it had to be open source. And for us, that was a requirement. It, we just weren't willing to compromise on it. It didn't matter what we had to do to do that, uh, to avoid compromising. That was just how we wanted to run things. We think it's really important for the industry for many reasons. And uh, we've, we've managed you know, to work through that despite, uh, despite everything. And I'm really glad. And I think that it's, it's made a major difference as a result. And our listeners should know that this grew out of a real need. Both you and Mick are blind and have been from birth, I believe. So this is a tool that you needed also and could make use of. Well, I think the reason that Mick started it in many ways was that both he and I were going through university at that point and we're running you know, outdated versions of, of JAWS because we couldn't afford to update. And it was like, well, if we're having this much trouble and we're, you know, we're from fairly, um, you know, we, our families did pretty well. If we were struggling with that kind of situation, then what were other people struggling with? And it just seemed so kind of, you know, not, not reasonable for that to be the situation. And Mick was also involved in a lot of advocacy. So he was doing a lot of work for Blind Citizens Australia at that point. And so that for him, it was almost like the blindness advocacy angle and the software development kind of merged into one and became MVDA. And that's how it was for him. And obviously, when I got involved a few months later, it very much became how I thought of it as well. Now, we keep referring to it as NVDA, as does everybody else. But can you remind our listeners what that stands for? It stands for Non-Visual Desktop Access, which is a bit of a mouthful. 
And for any of our listeners who want to hear earlier shows that we did about various aspects of NVDA, we will have links to those episodes in the show notes for this one. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 This week's focus topic is Jamie's transition from NVDA to Mozilla, including where he thinks NVDA is going from here and what he and his new co-workers are doing at Mozilla. So we mostly put together this show today as a tribute to your efforts in NVDA over the years, but you recently made a major transition. And before we talk about that and your move to Mozilla and why, I wanted to ask about the legacy of NVDA. I mean, you guys were so key in developing this through the past 10 years and were primarily the two people behind developing this program over the years. How do you expect this to continue? Will it continue? Look, I honestly, I wouldn't have been able to make the transition if I, if I wasn't confident that there was a really, really good path forward for NVDA. Frankly, it means too much to me, and it's been too much of my life to think that it might suddenly disappear. So no, I don't think that that's, that that's likely. Essentially, look, we've put a lot of work in the last little while into building the ecosystem. Um, MV Access, instead of just being Mick and myself, in the last few years, we've also had um, Quentin, who does our training material and handles a lot of user support and communication, and also uh, Reef, who is a developer that we hired. And so we have another developer on board. Plus, anyone who has been watching the NVDA development process um, closely, and it's, it's all open, will notice that lately there's been a lot of contributions from outside of MVAccess, which is fantastic. Now, we've always had some of that over the years, but now we're starting to see more regular contributors contributing uh, more often. And so there's a whole load of Braille work being done at the moment and also uh, work just you know, all over the place, different people contributing different things. And, you know, what's really fascinating is that started to happen Like when I, when I knew that this opportunity at Mozilla was coming. The funny thing is that around then, we really started to see that kind of cemented. And so it was almost a little bit of, an, oh, good, that, you know, this is happening and it's, and it's all good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, th there's that aspect to look at. And I suppose the fact that it is open source means that, you know, even if MV Access did, and just to be clear, this is not at all likely, but even if MV Access wasn't able to continue for some reason, I think there are just that there's too much momentum behind the project and too many people that care about it for it to to disappear in any way. So you were able to build the infrastructure so that this will be a self-sustaining project and you found people to fill the large boots that, you know, you filled until now. Look, I don't think we're done yet. I think there's still a lot of, you know, succession planning is a big part of of what we do and what we need to do. I'm still on the board of directors for MV Access. That's actually a big part of the discussions that we need to have going forward. So we're, we're going to have a strategy meeting at some point, And the big topic on the table is really going to be succession planning. And that's important in any organization. Absolutely. You know, there's always the danger in saying, oh, you know, we're, we're fine and we're out of the woods and there's no problems. And then people are suddenly surprised when there are. And so I don't want to be, you know, saying that we're 100% confident that, you know, we've got everything sorted because we don't. But I guess what I'm saying is I was confident enough that we could sort something out over time and that, you know, that we had the time to sort it out, that I was able to make the transition. Does that answer the question? Like, it's sort of a bit vague, but I'm, I'm just trying to explain that there's lots of moving pieces here and we have part of the puzzle sorted, but there is absolutely there are still more pieces to sort. And, and for example, some of that is 
you know, are there companies out there that are interested in contributing more to the development of NVDA? We're starting to see a little bit of that, but uh, sometimes there can be organizations where, where they have an interest and we may be able to engage more with them to actually contribute to the development as well as the funding of MV Access. Well, I think that is very reassuring for the many people who rely on having this program around the world. And it's nice to hear that from your own voice. And you've built up Mm. quite a track record and a a legacy here with this program. It'd be hard to believe it would die, but it's a question that, you know, I think people would ask. It's a valid question. (laughs) Yes. So anyway, now that you've left NVDA and you're on to other things, tell us a little bit about that. Well, a little while ago, I had a conversation with the manager of accessibility at Mozilla, and I've known him for many years. As some people would know, we've worked very closely with Mozilla over the years at MV Access. And things at, at Mozilla, I mean, there's basically they had an engineer who decided to move on. And also accessibility at Mozilla at the moment is a little bit, um, there have been some really big challenges with some of the major changes to Firefox lately. And so, you know, there was some discussion around, okay, there's a position probably coming up and it was a very difficult decision for me to even consider because before that point, I hadn't even, haven't even thought about moving on. But the reality is that I've always said that MV Access is a dream job. Like I'm really lucky to have been able to work on something that I truly love. And I've often said over the years though, that being able to work at Mozilla would be like my second dream job. And so when that actually potentially became a reality, it was like, oh, now I actually have to think about this. <laughs> it's actually a, it's actually something I need to seriously consider now. Choices do make you think and reevaluate. They absolutely do. And it was an incredibly difficult decision because obviously, you know, MV Access is more than just a job to me. You know, we put so much of ourselves into it, you know, so much of our lives. Right. We've gone through several life transitions and Mick and I are really close friends. And it's it's really our, you know, our little thought child, I suppose, you could say. And so it was a very difficult decision, but I also, Mozilla is a very unique organization in that, you know, has a lot of great resources, is doing really well, but also, you know, essentially they're backed by a a not-for-profit, Mozilla, there's Mozilla Corporation and Mozilla Foundation, but at the end of the day, it's driven by mission and not by profit. And so there's this like focus on public benefit. And so that's, that ties right into the reasons that I do this stuff. And I also felt like, you know, Firefox accessibility is, is struggling just a little bit at the moment. It's It's been a little bit tricky. It's been a tricky year. And I felt like I wanted to be able to help there. I, I really love Firefox as a product and I love Mozilla as an organization. And I felt like I had something to offer in, you know, in making sure that Mozilla stayed on the on the leading edge of, of accessibility. And so that, that was the reason that eventually led me to make the transition. You mentioned Firefox a couple of times. In addition to the browser, what else does Mozilla produce? In terms of their, their output to the, you know, in terms of products, Firefox is the biggest. There are quite a few other things that Mozilla does. So in, the foundation handles a lot of advocacy-related things. So, for example, I don't want to sort of go into a massive amount of detail on this, but net neutrality is a big thing going on in the U.S. at the moment around making sure that, you know, all these companies have equal access to the to the internet and that there's not this kind of monopolizing of Hey, we, you know, this this internet provider has a deal with Netflix, and therefore, you know, Netflix gets more traffic or anything like that. So that's what net neutrality is about, and Mozilla is doing a lot of advocacy in that area. But then also, there's quite a few other advocacy areas with regard to copyright and things like that. Mozilla also does a lot of work as far as uh, so the Mozilla Developer Network, for example, is focused on you know, educating people about the web and about the internet. 
Firefox is definitely the biggest thing that Mozilla are known for, and it's certainly what I am working a lot on. There are also research projects. They're doing a lot in sort of augmented reality areas. And there's this sort of whole other area of Mozilla that I'm sort of loosely aware of some of the projects that they're working on, um, but they're not necessarily mainstream yet, if that makes sense. Are you able to talk about some of the specific contributions you'll be making to Mozilla and Firefox and what your expectations are? Sure. Some people might be aware that uh, Firefox 57 launched a few weeks ago. And from an accessibility standpoint, it was it was a little bit of a setback in terms of performance. So loading large documents took a lot longer in, in Firefox 57. And that's due to uh, Mozilla moving to what uh, what we technically call a multi-process model, where instead of just one process for browsing, you know, we have multiple processes so that we can, you know, split tabs between them and better use the computing power and things like that. And so in theory, it makes for a faster browser, but a lot of changes had to be made in accessibility to make that happen. And the reality is that it wasn't as, as ready as we would have liked. And so I've largely been focusing on improving the performance of that. And so in Firefox 58, we should see, I think I measured it around three to four times the speed that we had in, in 57. Uh, so I've been able to do a lot of work on that, which is great because I use it myself. And so I, I see it get faster as I work on it. So it's good motivation. Um, it's always good to have the developers using their own products, right? I think it's super important. It's, it's how we were able to make NVDA what it is, because I tell you what, if there was ever a problem, it would drive me insane until I fixed it. Right. Uh, <laughs> and that's the same with Firefox. A few nights ago, I was using it and I was trying to send an email and it was freezing on me due to, due to a change I'd made. Literally, I was like, I really don't want to do this right now, but I'm going to have to track this down or it's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> so I am pleased to report that that is now fixed. But that's why it's so important for us to be you know, using the products that we make, because we're affected by them. What are your overall goals? Performance has always been a bit of an issue, like sluggishness and things like that on, on big websites has always been a bit of an issue. And that's partly due to the way that screen readers interact with web browsers. And so I kind of have this grand plan to really rethink the way that screen readers and web browsers interact. And that's going to require some collaboration right across the industry. And the good thing is that because I know the MVDA code base the way I do, I'll actually be able to test those changes to actually make the changes in MVDA and in Firefox and say, okay, well, this is going to work well or this isn't. It gives us the opportunity to really drive the web forward. And, and this is what really excites me about this job is that I have this opportunity to make some changes that it's really high time we made. Um, we've been sort of relying on the web technology we've had with screen readers for the last 10 or 20 years. And obviously it's been incrementally improved, but I think it's really time. The web's moved to a point where we really need to start thinking, of how do we rethink this? How do we make it so that it is really fast and really smooth? And so that's um, kind of what I have you know, in store for the next couple of years, really, after I do a little bit of this initial short-term work. You know, it's often been my experience that it's all well and good to be an expert in one thing. And, you know, like you've been an expert in NVDA for 10 years and know it very well. But it's often been my experience that you take that experience and you transfer it to something different but related. And you can often provide some new insights and new ways of doing things that, you know, other people may have been stuck in the box when they were experts on their side of the fence. And so I think that can be an interesting transition to make. It's actually really amazing for me to, to note uh, not just the development, but everything else. Like, because MV Access is a small organization, you know, Mick and I started as developers. But 
as part of our jobs, we've been managers, we've been contract negotiators, we've been, you know, sort of marketing people, we've been web developers, we've been all sorts of things as a result of our jobs. And it's amazing how particularly the management side of that has changed the way that I think. And I didn't realize that until recently. The way that I approach things and the way that I approach people and the way that I understand how projects work and how products work is so different now to what it would have been 10 years ago. That's been a real asset for me, I feel. And it's allowed me to navigate things that I might have otherwise found a little bit tricky. We do grow a lot with experience. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So it's really exciting and it doesn't hurt to have a reality check either. As I said before, I was at the top of my game at MV Access and I came to Mozilla and I actually had to think, hey, I need to learn some stuff. Not that I wasn't learning at MV Access, but, you know, it's not the same as having to learn a new job. And so it's been a bit of a reality check. It's been a challenge. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it, actually. Well, you know, we spent our entire careers working for one corporation, which was Xerox Corporation, the document company. Um, now has some other tagline as they've changed what products they're doing. <laughs> but over the years, every few years, we one or the other or both of us would get some new assignment and you have to learn a new technology and you have to learn how to work within a new organization, even if it's within the same corporation. And, and that can really keep you on your toes. And it's a very uncomfortable feeling at first, because you used to feel like an expert and all of a sudden you don't. But I'm sure you'll get back up there and feel like an expert again. Well, yeah, I'm happy that, as I said, in Firefox 58, the performance is already at a point where it's it's so much more usable than it was. So I feel like I've already been able to make some pretty significant contributions. That's a nice feeling, especially, as I said, because it affects me. When I was using Firefox 57, I was like, this is, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm really picky, just to be clear. I'm, I'm a perfectionist, and I expect stuff to be like 150% awesome. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not as thrilled with this. And then so it's, it's been really nice to be able to make changes and watch them come in and go, yeah, this is, this is really nice to use now. So, yeah, I, I feel like I've already been able to have that impact. And going forward, there'll be, there'll be more to come. <laughs> so I take it you're able to do this new job remotely. You haven't had to move from your home of Australia. That's correct. I actually have worked from home for the last, well, while I was in MV Access, I was always working from home. And um, Mozilla allows me to do that as well. And so that was actually a, um, was a requirement for me, really, in terms of, you know, if I ever moved jobs, I really like being able to work from home. It's a big part of what ticks for me. And tell us a little bit about what you enjoy when you're not working. I understand you have two young children and a nice family. Yeah, so I've been married for eight years, and uh, I have two young boys, two and five, who are fantastic kids. They keep me pretty busy, and uh, I don't necessarily get as much sleep as I would like, but uh, they're fantastic kids. They're a lot of fun at this age. When I have time, I sort of dabble with music a bit, not a, nowhere near as much as I would like. And then I'm also still sort of keeping my fingers in Asara, which is the accessibility extension for Reaper which is uh, audio software, similar to Sonar, um, competitive to Sonar, if you will. Now for this week's final item, how you can reach Jamie and how you can get information and or downloads of Firefox, NVDA, Reaper access tools, and more. So if people had questions for you and wanted to connect with you, how would they be able to do that? 
anything Mozilla related, you could send to jteh at mozilla.com. Uh, I'm also fairly active on Twitter where my uh, Twitter username is jcstay, again, T-E-H. So those are probably the two, the two main ones. And if people want to know more about Mozilla, what they do, and download Firefox, where do they go? If you want to download Firefox, you go to getfirefox.com. But to learn more about Mozilla, the best place would be the Mozilla website, which is www.mozilla.org. And Mozilla is spelled M-O-Z-I-L-L-A. And if people wanted more information or to download NVDA, where would they go? Uh, that would be the NV Access website, which is www.nvaccess.org. And you said your Asara tools are available. Where can people find out more about Asara and Reaper? Yeah, so that's a tricky question right now because it doesn't have its own website. I'll give you the website address for Reaper Accessibility, which has links to the right places. And that address is www.reaperaccessibility.com, all one word. And Reaper is spelled R-E-A-P-E-R. We haven't done a show explicitly about Reaper, but if you enter the word production into the search tool on our website, you'll find several shows about various other music production tools and how to use those with access technology. And as usual, you'll find all the contact information and URLs that Jamie mentioned in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And as we start off our eighth year of hosting and producing Eyes on Success, I just wanted to thank the many people who have contributed to this effort by using the PayPal button on our website and the many corporate supporters we've had through the years who have supported us with audio promotional items. And uh, we've had a lot of fun doing the show over the years. We hope everybody has enjoyed listening to it. If you have questions for us, just shoot us an email, hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. And we also appreciate your less tangible support in terms of sending us very nice emails with all sorts of compliments that we appreciate, but also sending us ideas for future episodes of Eyes on Success. And we have used many of those ideas, and we always appreciate any comment we get from our listeners. We always appreciate those show suggestions or tips for our tip shows. That's it for show number 1801. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about concepts for accessible living. Josh Mealy is a blind scientist at Smith Kettlewell Eye Research Institute. He and his team create and test new ideas aimed at improving how visually impaired people perform the daily tasks of life. We'll speak with Josh about his research and some of the concepts he has worked on, including tactile maps, touch pens, and you describe. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094.
You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.